Well, good morning. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Okay, we'll, we'll get this by the end of the hour for sure. Um, I just wanted to uh, spend a few minutes, and um, I've actually spoken on this a couple other times, the, the, the Star of Bethlehem or the Christmas Star, and um, I've, I've just felt this desire to go back and take a fresh look at this, you know, and how it really glorifies the birth of the Lord Jesus. Um, just some caveats to start with. Uh, this is really not, I didn't want to do an exhaustive review of all the human theories and, oh, this could be a lining up of the planets and all that stuff. Um, I just wanted to look at the Word and what was definitive, what we can know really from the Word. There may be physical implications, I mean, light and brightness and things, but um, I just want to look at the Word um, and take the Word at face value, not to try to read into it or add, oh, we need to, I mean, as if the Word needs the amplification of natural science, give me a break. No, it doesn't. Um, and which leads us really to the bottom line is that this is really supernatural, which is what we need to keep in mind. It, Again, God doesn't need natural explanations from science to prove or to um, enforce His Word. Um, so let's turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 12, and I'll just read these verses. The subtitle is, The Visit of the Wise Men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a, rule, a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. I know that's a familiar passage, but it's always amazing to me how we can read it, and, and every time we read it, we see something new or some new depth that we, that we didn't know. Um, the, um, I said I didn't use a lot of other references. I did 
cheat and go to John Mack's commentary to, to clarify some of the words. And he has a couple of good things. Uh, first, in the um, probably in your margin, um, the Magi, and they say it's pronounced Magi, but nobody does. Um, the um, are a cast of wise men specializing in astrology, medicine, and natural science. Astrology, I would probably say astronomy, because astrology here is not what the goofball stuff that we see today in that. So um, uh, this is probably more astronomy. They studied the heavens. They knew pretty much the motion of the stars, the, the background, the sort of the fixed order of the background of the stars, and that planets, also luminaries, were move in respect to that background of the stars. So they, they uh, studied this. Um, and so... And then just a little amplification from John Mack. These were not kings, but magi, magicians or astrologers. Again, astrology then is not what we see today. It's prob most probably astronomy. Probably Zoroastrian wise men from Persia whose knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures could be traced back to the time of Daniel, which is pretty amazing. So that's the background of these, of these uh, magi. Um, the, the, the interesting thing here is how this is, even though these are celestial, this is a celestial happening, you know, in, in somewhere in space above the earth, um, it's really geographically based. Uh, first, magi from the east, they, they came from Persia, where Daniel was. Um, and um, they, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They knew the timing. They knew Micah 5.2. They knew what the reference was. For we saw his star, his star in the east, when they were in the east, and it led them to the west, and we have come to worship him. And we'll see more of that in uh, verse 9. So, um, again, these were observers of the heavens. They knew how to distinguish a that's not a usual star or luminary or light bearer. That's, that's something different, which is really significant. They were able to distinguish that. Um, this, um, his star, which was interesting, it's really related to the Lord Jesus himself. Um, and that means applied to what has been mentioned before, and that was um, the um, reference to he who has been born king of the Jews. So his star and it's mentioned through this whole discourse like this and so what what is this star well you know in general these stars are luminaries in in the heavens somewhere uh, the word uh, the greek or the new testament greek word is aster or aster it's a star as strewn over the sky uh, and it's uh, again this was a little different than the usual stars or planets and it was uh, pointing to Christ as the morning star now when uh, people discovered that there were some stars that, that that move different planets they're called wanderers so again the planets move in respect to that the background of those stars um, <clears throat> So, but they're all in general luminaries, and we'll see that a little bit uh, in Genesis 1 in a second. Um, uh, in fact, let's just go there. Where's the first time stars are mentioned? In Genesis 1. Well, you don't have to turn there. Let me just... Um, 
In, in Genesis 1.14, uh, a couple of verses, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the sun and the moon, greater light to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night. And this, I love this last little statement. I mean, I, I have colleagues that have spent their entire life, you know, messing around and trying to understand stars. And he made the stars also. What a great comment. So, again, these are, what's the purpose? To give light on, our, on the earth as, as luminaries. Um, and, and going on a little bit, and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and night to separate the light from the darkness. So that's where we first hear about stars, which is really inclusive, all luminaries or light bearers, stars and uh, planets. Um, the, um, as I said, the New Testament word is aster, like from astrophysics or astronomy. Um, and the Old Testament word that we just read is kokab or kokab, a star round shining. Uh, and, um, to, and actually, some of the um, word studies said to, uh, stars first mentioned here in Genesis 1 to roll up in a ball. Um, round, shining. And so, and again, the stars are in more of a fixed position, like we read in, in Jeremiah 31, the, the fixed order that we see uh, in the universe, as opposed to planets, which are, are wanders, as we said. Um, and then, um, skipping down to verse 9. And having heard the king again, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east, not shining toward the east, but when they were present in the east, went on before them. So it's, it's tra traveling with respect to the geography of the ground until it came and stood uh, over where the child was. Again, this is local geography. This is not cosmic stuff here. I mean, the star looks maybe similar, but it's, it's really with respect to the Lord Jesus. Um, and that's, that's another, as I was going through this, I was thinking, you know, um, a lot of references that talk about this, they make a mistake by focusing primarily on the natural science, the physical, natural reasons of the, the, this particular luminary, which is a distraction. It takes a little bit away from the glory and the majesty of the Lord Jesus. That's why this luminary was there, to point the way, the wise men, and to, sh to shine this glory on where the child was. And so um, we need to be careful about that. Maybe it was conviction on my own part, because I want to study more of the natural side, but this is a supernatural event that I think we'll see as we go through this. So... In uh, 2.9 again, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them. This is local earth navigation. Until it came and stood over the place where the child was in the west. Again, this is local, not cosmic. Uh, so what, what does John Mack say about the star? 
Well, I think he copied what I've been thinking about for a while. Um, uh, this could not have been a supernova or a conjunction of planets, as some modern theories suggest, because of the way the star moved and settled over one place. It is more likely a supernatural reality similar to the Shekinah glory that guided the Israelites in the days of Moses. And there are a couple of references there that, that maybe we'll get to. So this is really all we have. This is it's called a star, and so it's a light bearer, and it and, and is with respect to the to the navigation to Bethlehem. Um, so, all that is sort of a backdrop. What what can we surmise about this star of Bethlehem or um, the um, Christmas star? Well, again, it, it all through here we see it's local. Uh, Earth geography based. What is this star? Um, it was first in the east where it went on before the Magi and it stood over where the child was. And so I think it's most likely an appearing of his Shekinah glory, it's not some natural event. And there are some great folks and believers who have come up with theories like Kepler had this idea that, well, this must have been a lining up of all the planets. You know, the planets, even though these are wanderers, they're a little brighter, a little closer, so they reflect the sun's light a little brighter. And so planets are pretty obvious when you look up in, in, in the heavens at night. And so um, they, the, the planets would be a little bit brighter, so if there happened to be a conjunction of all those planets, including Jupiter and all those lining up, it would be like an arrow. But it doesn't move like what we see here. That lining up may happen at one particular time or over a period of time, but then it doesn't keep moving and pointing the arrow from where you are and where the child is. So um, I, I just, I don't see any way to make this a completely natural event. And so it has to be supernatural. It's not a natural luminary. Uh, we've talked about how the stars are this background and the planets move, but this had, has very specific, peculiar motion, and that peculiar in the sense of it's some motion of this particular object, uh, which is different than just orbital type motion. And um, so it's some sort of a specific peculiar motion. It's not a natural luminary, not a star. I mean, if you wanted to call it specifically a star, stars are huge. I mean, our sun uh, is just an average, not to us, just an average star. The diameter of the sun is 109 times the diameter, 109 times the diameter of the earth. And the mass is uh, 333,000 times the mass of the earth. This is huge. And so you're not gonna have this settling over where the child is, okay? Plus the temperatures, again, our sun is sort of an average star. It's like 5825 degrees Kelvin. The Kelvin scale is the, the absolute scale, not too much. When you're talking about these numbers, it's not too much off from Fahrenheit or, or Celsius. And so 5825, um, there's, there's an interesting, just as a sort of a sidelight, if you, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it. In um, 1 Corinthians, there is a little bit more on stars in 1 Corinthians 15. And um, 
Paul here is telling the first Corinthians um, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. This is in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, starting at verse 40. Heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. Now that word glory here, what's it really referring to. Well, here's a great example. If you look up at Orion, everybody knows what Orion is, the constellation. It's got the three stars that's the belt. In the top of Orion is Betelgeuse, which is a red giant. And so it's, it's not as bright and luminous as other stars in that same constellation. That's why it's a great Great comparison. And so Betelgeuse is a red giant, and it's, you can see a little red, even with the naked eye, you can see a little bit of a reddish hue. And it's, it's the temperature, the surface temperature, and these are all black body radiators, which I'm not going to go into. I mean, I have the board here, but I'm not going to do it. Even with Barb not here, I, I, I'd feel safer doing it, but I'm not going to. Um, so these are all black body which is pure thermal radiation, stars uh, and the reflected light from stars, planets. And so black bodies, the key is the, is the uh, temperature. The, uh, and so the, the temperature of like Betelgeuse is like 2,500 degrees. Remember, the sun is 5825. There's another star in that same constellation. I think it's Rigel at the bottom. And it's super bright. It's more toward the ultraviolet of the Roy G. Biv color spectrum of the visible uh, response of the eye. And so that bluish bright light of Rigel, and it's down in the bottom part of that constellation, it's, it's way different. That's the glory. It's this brightness temperature that these black body radiators have. And so Rigel is, it's just really super bright and super intense. The temperature of Rigel is something like 20,000 degrees compared to 5,000 for the sun. And so you see this difference in this temperature, which, which is a part of their radiation nature. So um, it, it's interesting to see the way scripture talks about these stars. And so you get a feel for what these, these natural bodies are. But these, there is no, none of these, the bottom line is none of these move like the star of Bethlehem or the, the, the Christmas star. So it's, again, because of this specific peculiar motion uh, and the differences between stars specifically and what this particular star uh, is. So this, you have to surmise, this is a supernatural event. may have some physical implications like brightness and things, but it's a supernatural event. And we, we want to interpret supernatural events as something that we can put our arms around, like a natural phys physics thing. And um, we interpret observations naturally. Well, you can't, this one just because of the, the surrounding uh, part of this event. Uh, we can't put this in the context of natural observations. So uh, just to kind of summarize this a little bit, um, this is the best way for me to think about it. What is the Christmas star not? Okay, well, it's not a cosmic star, not a cosmological star. The motion distinctions way different for this particular star with respect to the fixed order of the backdrop of stars. It doesn't move like a planetary wanderer, which is the, that word planet means wanderer, so um, which are not local. These are not local. Those are cosmic objects. Um, it's also not 
a lining up of the number of planets because of what we talked about before. You're not going to get that uh, for any kind of period of time that matches what we see in the scripture. Um, this is a single celestial body, not a whole uh, lining up of planets. It, like John Mack said, it's not a supernova explosion. This is, I mean, a supernova is a huge, uh, like they think that Betelgeuse, that one star, that red giant, they think it will collapse and explode in a supernova. It's not what we're seeing here. Um, that's a real violent kind of event. Another thought might be, well, maybe it's a comet. You know, because comets kind of go through the sky and they kind of point this direction. Maybe it's a comet. Yeah, but they're coming gone. They don't hover. They don't stay locally over uh, a position like this particular star did. So you have to conclude that this is really supernatural. Um, and so, I, you know, the, the best way to think about it would be, like John Mack suggested, the Shekinah glory, the glory of God that appears to man. And so just a couple of references. If we, um, you don't have to turn, I'll do it. Exodus 29. Exodus 29:43 And this really is referring to his Shekinah glory that comes into the tent of meeting and later on into the temple. Um, we could start earlier. Well, I'll just start back at um, I'll just we'll start at 43. And I will meet there with the sons of Israel and it shall be consecrated by my glory. This is the Shekinah glory. And this is the closest thing I can see to what this, what this star would be. Um, and later on in verse uh, 45 and on, and I will dwell among the sons of Israel and be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am their, the Lord their God. So that's what Shekinah glory really is. Well, what are some other references? Um, if we um, still in Exodus, Exodus twenty four, uh, seventeen, and this just another kind of indicator of what this glory might appear like. Uh, this is um, when Moses took some of the elders up up to the mountain and uh, listen to this in verse 20 uh, Exodus 24:17 and to the eyes of the sons of Israel the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop now the connection between this and a star i mean there's some depth here that that i don't understand but at least you see the, the connection there between the brightness of a luminary and a star. And so this is the Shekinah glory. Uh, a couple other quick verses. Um, and again, this word glory in the Hebrew uh, is the word kabod or splendor or honor. And it, you could kind of make a, a connection to the difference in star differs from star and glory. Rigel is hugely bright and blue to the high energy part of the spectrum, whereas Betelgeuse is not. So star differs from star in glory. Um, the, it, back at the beginning of Exodus, when Moses was starting his uh, mission, he remember the burning bush. Well, that's, yeah, that's what we're talking about here, the Shekinah glory. Uh, in Exodus 3.2, 
Um, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus, right. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So that's really our, our probably our first look at that. And then um, let me, there's some others in Exodus, but, but let's just jump to Daniel 7. Uh, this passage... I keep coming back to it because um, there's just some depth here where you see both the Father and the Son. And uh, I think that's significant. Um, Okay, so Daniel 7, starting at verse, uh, let's see, Daniel 7, 9 and 10. Hosea is not Daniel. And this, the subtitle here is The Ancient of Days. Who's the Ancient of Days? God the Father. Okay, the Ancient of Days reigns. And so this is Daniel. Now, you have to think about the, what is he looking at? What, and he's trying to put this in a description, which is amazing. The Ancient of Days reigns in Daniel 7, 9, beginning. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire, in verse 10, a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. And down, there's a distinction here. We go down to verse 13. This is the Son of Man. So here you have the Father and the Son, both in this passage. I kept looking in the visions, in verse 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So this is this is fairly weak attempt to try to start to get our arms around what the Shekinah glory is, uh, which is really indescribable. Uh, and Daniel does a, a, a great job here. Um, so let me just summarize a little bit. Remember, from John Mack's commentary, what he said, what's, what's a star? This could not have been a supernova or conjunction or any other natural things we talked about. As some modern theories suggest, we love to spin theories. Well, um, because of the way the star moved and settled over one place, it is more likely a supernatural reality, reality similar to the Shekinah glory that guided the Israel, Israelites in the days of Moses. And remember how he did that. Uh, a pillar of fire, uh, a pillar of cloud by day, and a, a pillar of fire by night. And that's how he led the Israelites. So that's also a look at this Shekinah glory. So that's my best conclusion. 
that this is a supernatural event that is some sort of a luminary or light bearer that is related geographically to the, to the trip of the Magi to where the child was. Um, and um, that's as far as I got. Um, and more, I'll probably keep coming back here every couple of years and talking about, this. okay, I'm going to take a fresh look. Well, I don't know. There's lots of fresh looks, I guess, that we can take. But it's amazing how you, when you come back and look at this that there can be real new things that we, that we discover. Yes, Porter. <coughs> Um, it might just be something that's not stated, because they, the, the implication is that they sort of followed it all the way. I mean, that's how you would do a nav problem, right? Could be. Yeah. The, the sort of verse nine. Why I was led that direction, Porter, was that it says, And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them um, until it came and stood over where the child was. So a lot of that is just not stated. So I, I, I hadn't thought of this until reading through it just now. Is There's, there's no indication. We always tend to think of it when they showed up at night because the star is shining. But that's not necessarily so. There's no reason the Lord didn't go on before them in the middle of the day. Oh, yeah. As this light that they could see, you know, but we tend to think, well, star, so it had to be night. Well, mm -mm. not necessarily. You think the Lord can't shine brighter than the ambient light? Right. Uh, so, I, yeah. Venus can be seen in the daytime when it's uh, at its peak, if you know where to look, with the naked eye. Yep. Shoot. Is it the same glory when the angels appear after the shepherds and they say glory to God in highest? Is that the same glory? I think so. I think so. But, you know, those two accounts, what's fascinating is that he did the Christmas star with people who understood stars. With shepherds, he brought angels that could explain it to them. The, the wise men didn't need much of an exclamation. They knew what they were after, and they'd read the scriptures. But the shepherds, not necessarily so. And so uh, they needed to have the explanation of the angels. But I think it's the same glory. I really do. Well, and our, our nativities all show everybody all together at the same place at the same time. But the assumption is that the, these guys showed up much later. Yeah. I mean, that timeline's not really... It, it's, yeah, it's not... Uh, definitive the way it's written it's also we always have three wise men why is that three gifts so we don't know that it's really three and those gifts are definitely royal kinds of gifts gold fra gold frankincense and myrrh it would that for that travel yeah any other questions or comments? Yes, Jack. Two questions. You refer to it being a local geographic, not cosmic. Could it conceivably have been within our own atmosphere? 
Yeah, it's, it could be at any altitude. I'm guessing it is because it had to be sort of local and you have to be less than 80,000 feet and if you're going to be sort of local. So I think so. I think within the atmosphere is safe. But, you know, the, you have the, Paul talked about the first heaven, second heaven, and the third heaven, you know, and the first heaven is the atmosphere. Second heaven is the, the stars and everything beyond, galaxies and things. And then the third heaven is heaven, you know, supernaturally. Yes? So, so oh, yeah, sorry, Jack. Will, will we be getting college credit for this? <laughs> Depends on how you do on the final. And for you, it's a take-home final, which, which are always impossible. I may, I may add to it before I give it to you. Okay. Yeah, but you'll get a great, I'm sure you'll get a, a halfway, you'll get a C or above. Sure, like he didn't believe the scripture, huh? Yeah. And he had to have these, these, you know, non-Israelites come from Persia to show him the scripture. What? So, well, yeah. You have to be a stargazer to, to notice the difference. This thing. That's why know. these guys. Otherwise, you're just, it's just another light in the sky. That's right. He believed in UFOs. He did. You think he did? I don't think he knew what they were. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Gwen. Yeah. Like, like she was saying, why didn't everybody kind of join the parade? I mean, like, there's a star they're following. That's, that's going to be weird, right? But these were the guys who were looking. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it, it's fascinating that they're most probably descendants of Daniel. That's a pretty good pedigree, you know, as far as the scriptures and following the scriptures. And yes, Lugie. And it's the same Shekinah glory, which, which is amazing to me. Okay, any, I, I love this heavenly music that we have in the, in the background. And any other questions or comments? Okay, let me close. <clears throat> Father, we just, we just love your word, and we love you <clears throat> just for, the, for how you've shown yourself to us in the scriptures and, and that you dwell in each of us. You, you gave your grace to each of us, Father. And so we, we just um, give you the praise and the glory and, and, and 
are overwhelmed just by your greatness and how you've taken care to share this with us and what this is about. So we just thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for the service to follow, and especially in this season, we pray for Charlie and his message, and uh, we just, again, thank you for the life that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Jim. My pleasure.